0: You are listening to the Real Faith Stories Podcast, interviews with people who chose to boldly follow their faith. I'm your host, Brian Robinson. Now, let's meet our guest and hear their story. Sean Patterson, so good to have you on Real Faith Stories today. Welcome.
1: Thank you. It's exciting, and, and I've been looking forward to this for a while.
0: We were chatting about the question of how you came to faith. So if you would, please share a little bit about yourself and how you did come to faith.
1: Absolutely. I'll just get to it. This will be probably maybe PG-13 version, but we'll, we'll keep it clean. I was born and raised all over the place. I was moved around a lot. I had a pretty classic hippie mom, hate ashberry kind of mom. A heroin addict, even, I mean, dark stuff, even prostitution in there. I was taken a couple times and given back and moved around a lot. And uh, then my mom really got her act together. And I remember she would take us to churches when we were little. And to be honest, uh, probably three quarters of it was just to get our needs met, right? Mm. People would take us and fill our pantries with food if we had a house or they'd give us a room. There were times when family was kind of camping during the summer, but, you know, wasn't really camping. And so I always knew church people were kind. And then I had some experiences where church people were crazy, some Pentecostal churches that were wild and scary as a young kid. And then there was the times in Catholic church with my grandparents and my aunt and uncles. And By the time I was a teenager, all that was swirling around, and I thought, well, I know there's a God, but it is not the God of these wild places or boring places or hypocritical places or dangerous places. But I would pray, and I wouldn't really say I'd hear much back, but I had a very favored life. I would say up until I was 23, people would say I had the best luck. I mean, to the point of, I mean, I almost won the lottery once. I, I picked four of six numbers, won a couple hundred bucks or maybe a hundred bucks, but I was one number off each one of hitting uh, $10 million. And that was kind of my life. Everything that could go right would in spite of my bad choices and in spite of my upbringing. So I'm 23. I'm commuting from chiropractic school to Santa Rosa. I worked at Costco on the weekends. I'd worked there almost 10 years. And uh, I remember I'm pulling up to the Richmond Bridge. I have my Alpine stereo bumping. I mean, the bass was high, the song was hot. We're talking, you know, the Tupac years and NWA and just really hardcore rap I was into. And, you know, I was a pretty good guy. I wasn't into drugs and things like that, but I was definitely into the world kind of life. And, and I'm driving on the Richmond Bridge and as clear as day, everything just goes silent. and I just hear three words, go to church. And it was one of those strange, serene, kind of scary moments where, first of all, I said, did my stereo just cut out? And I start fumbling with it because it was gone. The the music was gone.
0: The stereo literally stopped and you heard, go to church.
1: Yeah. And and like I said, I'm not going to say the stereo actually stopped, but it stopped. There was no sound coming out of my car and everything was quiet. And I just heard in a male voice... And like I said, I don't know if somebody else in the car would have heard it, but I heard it like you were sitting next to me in the car or talking to me right now. Go to church. Just like that. Not yelling, calm, not elevated voice, just a nice go to church. And then it all kind of came back and I went, what the heck was that? And I might not have said it like that. (laughs) (laughs) I, I might have been a little bit more emotional about what I said. And I just continued on to work, you know, Richmond Bridge, go through Marin County into Santa Rosa, but got to work. And uh, I go into work and I'm a supervisor, a front end supervisor at Santa Rosa Costco, which was a great store. Everybody loves Costco. You know, you could buy everything in bulk. Love and, Costco. Uh, love it. Yeah, I love Costco. And these were the early years. This was the busiest store in the company, other than Hawaii, because everything costs 20 times more in Hawaii <laughs> as far as uh, income. And it was my friend network. I had worked there for years, going through college, junior college at Sonoma State University and poked around in San Francisco a little bit, getting my, my units and then I was in Hayward at chiropractor school. So but most of my network was Santa Rosa. So I'm the guy in charge of the money. So meaning when every department like photo or tire or something needed cash change, they'd come to me and I'd, you know, go between the vault and get the money. This guy comes walking up. I'm just signed in. I'm pinning my cute little Costco name tag that says Sean, you know, serving you since 1992 on it or or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And a guy comes walking up and I recognize him. I go, oh, that is Jeff from One Hour Photo. And I don't know Jeff well, but he's always happy and smiling. And he walks right up to me, says, hey, I need some change. I say, great. How you doing, Jeff? He's like, I'm terrific. And he just says, what are you doing tonight? And I go, terrific. It's Saturday. I have no plans, no parties going on. This is great. I've never partied with Jeff. And that's exactly what I thought. And I said, nothing, Jeff. What's going on? He said, my church is having a a kind of an outreach night. He didn't say outreach. I don't even know what he said. I was a little surreal at the time. The minute (laughs) he said, my church, he said, would you like to come? And he paused. And I said, yes. And that's how I kind of started reintegrating myself back into church. I met him there and, um, you know, that feeling of going to church the first time when you don't know anybody, and, yeah. you, you know, and it's, it's terribly awkward and I'm not going to say the heaven's opened. I went to church. He was there. The minute the service was over, I ran out the back. I said, that was horribly uncomfortable. Never doing that again. <laughs> and, uh, but then just that feeling, that conviction of no, no, I think he should go. And so after a few weeks, I mean, Jeff wasn't there on Sundays. He he was trying to be a firefighter, I believe. And I was just kind of going by myself, the same church. And I'd work the weekends, and a lot of times party Saturday night, and I go to church on Sunday morning. And then one day, the pastor did that whole with every head bowed and every eye shut. And and you know, of course, my personality—I'm looking around at this point. I'm like, okay, who's who? Who are the suckers in the crowd? Who's going to raise their hand up for this?
0: And your hand was raised as you looked around, right?
1: Oh my gosh. Well, even worse. So I'm doing that. And all of a sudden I feel a burning in my ears, in my brain, in my heart. Like I'm sweating and I'm not a run hot kind of guy. Mm. And it dawned on me just like, almost like the fool I was at the time in a lot of ways. Oh my gosh, it's me. I'm the guy that the Lord's talking to right now through this guy. And I mean, it was clear as day. And I slipped my hand up. I'll tell you, it's one of my most embarrassing moments because I would judge that kind of thing so bad. And, you know, I still look around and chuckle like, okay, he's doing that trick again. Every, I, you know, shut and every head bowed thing. And I raised my hand and received the Lord in a different way in a in a very real personal way compared to my spirituality I had before that. So there we go, 23 years old. I'm now, a, I'm a believer now. I'm a follower.
0: What happened after that, Sean?
1: Oh, things were terrible. Are you kidding me? I I couldn't do anything where I looked at it from a different perspective saying, you know, Sean, that's probably not what you're, what you ought to be doing if you're a believer now. And it wasn't in a guilty, shameful way. It was just in a, yeah, that's probably not working. Uh, Oh, okay. So, all right. Breaking up with the girlfriend. Uh, Oh, getting rid of some of that music. If not all of it. Oh, we can't have those magazines on the uh, coffee table anymore. Okay. Uh, I mean, it just. And not in a legalistic way, although I did get caught up in being very, I would say, rule based and legalistic soon after. But it was just an innocent, gosh, that doesn't work anymore. That doesn't work anymore. Well, what do I do? Who do I hang out with? You know, so it was really hard. It was really hard at first. I didn't understand it the way I do now looking back.
0: How would you counsel somebody looking back at that moment when, yeah, I need to get rid of this, get rid of this, but you don't want to be legalistic about it? What would you share with somebody? How? what kind of lens should they look through when they start thinking that way so they don't get under yeah. this legalistic condemnation
1: oh yeah absolutely well one I would tell them do not call all your friends and explain to them what I found they need <laughs> I would say, let's not send Bibles to all your friends. Oh, my gosh. I'm like, all right, the guys get the blue ones and the girls get the pink ones. And, oh, that was not a good choice. So, <laughs> But, but it, I mean, I did, actually did that in, in all seriousness. I'm still repairing some of those relationships. <laughs> but it was like the, almost like, a, well, I won't even say it. It, it. it was an alternative business model for church, let's just say, for, for getting people into the faith. But what I did, I'm a go-getter and I'm a good soldier you know, I, I love the idea. And you had mentioned earlier grit. Oh, that resonates with me. You know, I'm going to outwork everybody. I'm going to rise to the top because I have a chip on my shoulder because I didn't have the things I wanted when I was growing up and the stability and the successes and the faith. So I'm going to go get it. So I just translated that into my faith now. Oh, now I got God. And these verses say, you're a conqueror and you're, you know, put on the armor of God. And I was a soldier, but what I did, what I would tell myself now, if I wrote myself a letter and I was a first day believer, I'd say, Sean, there's this scripture in Jeremiah six, I think it's six sixteen, that says, stand at the crossroads or stand at the ways. and And I'm paraphrasing, but wait and look and search for the eternal way or the ancient way or the old way. Mm. And when you find it, then walk on it and you'll find rest for your soul. And that connects into Matthew, where Jesus says, you know, all you who are heavy burdened. And I stumbled upon that a few years ago, and I said, oh, gosh, I wish I had this then, because I just went for it. And I didn't realize there was a crossroads of different opportunities and possibilities that the Lord would lay out for me. And he'd let me take whatever one I want. And he let me take the one I knew best, which was the one where I just make it happen, and I perform, and I, I'm i self-sufficient. And I've since had to hike all the way back down that road to that crossroad. To probably took me 20 years. And now I'm standing there again going, okay, I'm not going back down that way. And I'm going to wait at this crossroad until I really have the clarity and the calmness and the peace of the Lord before I walk down another path. So that's what I would say.
0: What brought you back 20 years to that crossroad? How was that journey?
1: Oh, well, y- you know how that journey goes, right? It's called pain. It's just called pain. It's called why isn't this working? Why can't I work my way out of this one, think my way out of this one, buy my way out of this? You know, I, I mean, and and it almost got to a point in my life where nothing worked the way it ought to. So I'll counsel patients on chronic pain, I'll counsel patients on adrenal hormone health and weight loss on uh, good sleep on peace of mind on exercise on all these things nutrition even their spirituality you know I, I think we all are have a role sometimes of being a pastor to someone not a vocational pastor but mm-hmm. and I found that being so successful with my patients and it was the the very things that were eluding me and it got to a point where all of the categories okay I hurt I'm not sleeping no matter how clean I eat my stomach seems to be agitated and hurting I feel tense I'm constantly battling the desire, lustful desires of the world, like in every category. And I'm just chasing shiny things. And I said, Oh my gosh, I need to stop down this road because I don't have the energy I did in my twenties to be that good soldier running a marathon every day. I'm 47. Now I am starting to wear out. And so I, decided instead of medicating everything away or using addictions like a lot of the world gets caught up in, I I saw that for what it was. I didn't want to go that way and buy more time doing it that way. So I decided to just say, yeah, I'm not doing it right and I don't have the answer. So I'm going to hike back to the
0: crossroads. So in this movement back to the crossroads, you've decided, I'm not going to medicate. I'm not going to do the things that are going to prolong this that are going to buffer, allow me to continue buffering, right? What did you discover?
1: Well, I discovered how much fear I have. That is something I always knew and hated about myself. I was a scared kid. Hmm. And I feel like even at 47, with my physical strength and confidence and ability to almost crave awkward situations now and and walking in the dark and all the things like I proved to myself I, I conquered, I still was and, and am a lot of ways that scared little boy inside. And that fear was very humbling to accept this. I cannot conquer this. And only the Lord, only the Lord is going to help me with this one because that fear drove me to be super controlling. My wife probably has no idea that I'm controlling, but you know, I'm sure somebody out there does, right? You know? <laughs> my, my my kids, my my teenagers have no idea I'm controlling. But you know, if you ask a neighbor or something, they might tell
0: you. Right. If if anybody knows you're controlling, it's your wife. We know that. Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah.
1: And uh, but you know, it's easy to dismiss the ones you love because oh, they just, you know they don't know what they're talking about or yeah, you know. But uh, yeah, I started to really realize. Oh my gosh! I just and and it's not like I'm a recovered. Control addict. I'm in recovery, right? To my daughter, just recently, you know, we talked about having this new little puppy. You're cleaning up accidents. Why would you grab so many paper towels? You only need one. Like, well, who cares how many paper towels? And I could build the argument. Well, you know, the environment. And I do care about the environment. I do care about efficiency. and I do. But, but what is it in me that's so moved by taking two paper towels instead of one? You know, what is it in me to care so much? And so those kind of things, those little rocks-in-the-shoe kind of feelings every day. That's really what how I saw it.
0: This resonates, I'm sure. It resonates with me because I've been a type A person. I'm gifted with that intensity. I put that in air quotes. <laughs> and my kids see that in my life. And I'm grateful for the pain, as you stated, that has allowed those things to mellow. But it only has mellowed to the extent that I've discovered God wants to walk with me in that and that I need to continually give that over to Him and be aware enough by His Spirit that I need to release this to Him. Because if you don't have the awareness, you're stuck.
1: Absolutely. It's yours to carry if you don't have the awareness. He'll let you carry the backpack full of bricks, you know, metaphorically
0: speaking. Totally. So I I would suspect that part of your journey has just been the increasing awareness, God shining the light on these things, and you being open enough to receive that counsel from him that, hey, these are contributing to, these are factors that increase this control. Fair enough?
1: Fair enough. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. So, as a fellow controller, tell me what you've (laughs) discovered in your quest to not control.
1: Yeah. Well, what I discovered is sometimes my first... And it's more discover slash discovering. But one thing I've really noticed, and you asked me earlier, and, and, and that I really appreciate now it coming full circle. So well, what happened after you found the Lord, the Lord found you and you became a believer or walking in the way? And I said, well, things really, I'm paraphrasing now, you know, things really sucked. That's what happened. For quite a while, uh, and then they got great. But I mean, there was a, a really rough season. And I've been through those, you know, vacillations of lows and highs. But when I started to realize I'm controlling, and I started to pull back control, things sucked again. And I, I, that's a clinical language, and you know, my 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 chiropractic degree allows me to use that medical <laughs> terminology.
0: So. Yes, that's right.
1: But it did. Things were really painful. Like I I would expect. Okay, I'm pulling back control, and now. You know, I'm a good soldier, right? I'm pulling back control. I'm choosing to trust the Lord in this. So the outcome has to be good, right, Brian? Like the mm-hmm. outcome has to be good. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 no. The outcome looks even worse, almost worst case scenario. I'm going, oh my gosh, if I controlled that, all this now wouldn't happen, but I didn't control that. So now this and this and this, and I, mean, I can give you a couple of recent examples. They're hilarious, sure, but they're real. I mentioned before, I have a new puppy at home. And this was one of the first times in 20 years I said, Renee, that's my wife, I said, I'm not really supporting this, but I'm not saying no. And she knows me. If I say no, she's going to she's gonna honor that if one of us says a hard no, it's a no.
0: Even yeah. if one
1: of us is a hard yes. You know, it's just the way we've done life. And we're really kind of I don't like to use F-words, but we're fair when it comes to decision-making. You know, we, we really do care about what each other thinks. We're not the kind of marriage that says, well, I'm going to do what I want, and you do what you want, and that, that doesn't seem to work. Right. I said, so this is new territory for me to say, well, I'm not saying yes to people please you, but I'm not saying no to be controlling. So I am i don't even know how to language it, but I'm going to live in the space of, I'm going to honestly let you make the choice, not let you make the choice and then beat you up when it doesn't work out right, which is what I have to struggle with. Mm Uh, because that's my tendency. See, if we would have done it my way, you know? Yeah. And so I said, you guys make the choice. So we have a puppy and now everything's wild in my home and (laughs) we're getting our sleep disrupted. But I have to be honest, somewhere deep, deep, deep down in my soul, I feel like this little loving furball of a menace is doing great things for my daughter's heart, who's 10 years old. And she's getting the experience now of getting up at night with the baby. And, and I just know she's going to look back and say, Oh, my dad, let me have that experience. And, and I know that will, that will lead to something that I don't understand right now, but I just, you know, you ever have that feeling? You just know it's, there's something more than just a choice, but it got hard. Same thing. I'm a Toyota kind of guy. We've had Sequoia, 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 right? Big family vehicle, kind of a, it's just a tank and they don't break in my experience. I'm sure somebody out there is saying, oh, I'd had a bad experience, but you know, <laughs> they're solid. And all of a sudden my wife wants to move to a GM product and I just go, oh, and I did that thing again. I'm not going to say no, but I really don't think it's the best idea. And sure enough, within the first month of having the vehicle, I think we had the vehicle for a week. Because it was at the dealership three of the four weeks and <laughs> getting repaired. Wow! Something that would and here's my mind, right? Here's my my controlling right answer guy. See, a Toyota never would have done that. I told you I shouldn't. And then you know, then I self loathe for not saying no to it. But somewhere deep inside, I go, Gosh, I think this is was the right thing to do. I just don't understand it yet, and that not being able to understand it is this new season of life for me. And I really think those things seem trivial, right? A dog in a car, but they're like my training wheels of really going just because I don't understand it and it looks painful doesn't mean it is that path I'm to walk on. Because if I take the Lord with me on that path and he keeps putting that feeling deep in my soul of, hey, there's something good going here. Will you trust me with it? I'm never going to walk on that path. I'm going to stand at the crossroads forever. And, and in times of stress, I'm going to go down the path that I know, which is the control path, which I just spent 20 years walking back from. I don't want to go back down that road. I know that leads to death and pain. I know it.
0: I look at these two scenarios you just shared, and behind that is your passionate desire to draw closer to the Lord. You're wanting to do life with Him, and so He presents you with these scenarios to give up your control, in which case he causes it to work in your relationship with him, your wife, your children, there's a 360 degree effect. Whereas if you're trying to control, it's just one dimensional, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. That's well said. And and I appreciate you understanding no matter how this sounds, I love God. It's a very incomplete, immature love in my humanness, but my only desire. If you were to strip everything away, I every day of the week, seven days a week, I choose God. And but I'm learning how to choose God. And no one ever explained that to me. That What do you mean? Like there's different ways to choose God. There's, hey God, I'm going down this path. Will you come with me? And He's always He's always gonna be there within an earshot. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like when you're watching your little kids and you're letting them go a little further out. You know they're gonna fall and skin their knee, but you're 1.8 seconds away from scooping them up, right? Yeah. You're, you're, they're never really outside. But then there's a difference of you now with your older kids saying, hey, follow me this way. I got an adventure for us. And that's kind of the difference right now is, is I'm, Lord, I, I want you to lead me because my way was good, but it wasn't my eternal purpose on this earth. It's not how I'm going to overcome myself in the world. And so it, it's still kind of scary. You know, uh, I think anybody who who doesn't admit it's kind of scary, I would question what path they've chosen to be on. Yeah. Or maybe they're really different from us.
0: You know, this reminds me of when I spoke with Alan Arnold, who wrote an amazing book called The Story of With, and he talked about his journey. And one of the stories he shares is when his son, uh, his 10-year-old son, I believe it was at the time, whenever Alan asked him if he wanted to go somewhere, his son would jump in the truck with him. But not just jump in the truck, he put down the divider between the seats and sit leg to leg against his dad as they drove. (laughs) And he's like, and it ultimately came to the point where he said, dad, I don't care where you're going. I just want to be with you. And then he asked his older children, do you want to go with me? I'm going to go to Home Depot or something where his 10 year old would say, I'm in. The other ones would be like, yeah, are you going to get ice cream? Are you going to stop at the store and do this? Can we get some French fries at wherever? No, that's not part of my agenda. Okay, I'm not going to go with you. But what you're saying, you know, it's like you're going back to the child and you're saying, Abba, wherever you're going, I want to sit leg to leg. I want to be with you.
1: Wow. The, The imagery of how you just spoke the two different scenarios impacts me in a way you can't even understand. I could smell the rust of the old Ford. Now, I, I grew up without a father in my life. I had a couple stepdads, but I did have some really neat role models. But it's great imagery. I really appreciate that.
0: Let's look at what's going on right now. I asked before we started recording, okay, it's the beginning of 2022. Oftentimes, myself included, I'm looking for some kind of a word. You know, what's the word for this year, Lord? Tell me what you shared when we chatted about that please
1: i had said gosh i wanted a shiny new word for this year i wanted a shiny word for the podcast i wanted something exciting to grip onto and i felt like the lord was just saying you know just go back to go back to your testimony of what you have go back to the crossroads where i've spoken to you and and just connect with my voice and in its things of old And then, interesting enough, you brought up a book you read, and it was on the idea of grit. And then I said, well, I had just read a book where the author of the book referenced reading that book or working with that author. And I almost felt like, well, Lord, can that be? Could that be the shiny thing that's not very shiny and it's not very new? And there is something to that idea of grit. And I'd love you to... like. How did you explain it? The the way you explained it gave it so much more texture to me because I've always associated grit with just grinding. And that has like a negative connotation. And and I don't want to strive and grind. Grit is different than that, the way you, you mentioned it.
0: The book by Angela Duckworth, one of the components that I remember is she was referencing a study that they did with people that went to West Point. And what they discovered was it wasn't the grades... And it wasn't necessarily the performance in school that showed somebody would be successful in West Point, that they wouldn't drop out after the first difficult few weeks. What was a better determining factor was they were able to put their head down and be consistent and to press through. It wasn't education Mm -hmm. and it wasn't necessarily experience. It was a gut level kind of a grit and ability to persevere and keep going regardless of the circumstances, and to be consistent day after day after day.
1: Yeah. When I get the imagery in my mind, I feel like I know that road. And I think when I'm not motivated by walking with the Lord, that road is exhausting. And I think that's why grit quickly fills my head with words like strive and grind. But I also know my success in life comes from small, consistent, incremental changes over time. And that is really the basis of my practice model. When I, uh, you could say I coach people, but I, I really, I mean, what I do, I befriend people and create relationships with people that like me or respect me. And I like or respect, because it's not always both. And there are people that I'm pretty sure they don't like me, but they respect me and they get really good results. And that's okay because I find value in being respected as much. And I, that's, you know, even though being liked feels good, being Mm -hmm. respected, I think is, is on a level of truth where like is an emotion and, and it's a deeper, a deeper truth, respect. But little things, just, you know, my, my practice model, that, that crossroads, and I'll use that imagery, whether people are spiritual or not spiritual, or Christian, or Catholic, or atheist, I will say, hey, in an, in an ancient, amazing book of Jeremiah, the author talks about this crossroads, and we're at it right now. And you got to pick which way you want to walk. And, and part of that is, can you make small, consistent changes and hold the line, keep them going day after day? you know, neuroscience is showing at least 63 days to change a behavior neurologically and rewire a new behavior. I mean, that is actual neuroscience. Carolyn Leaf very clearly explains that in her books and podcasts and audios and TED talks on how neurology actually, the brain will literally rewire. But if you don't do it for day after day, it quite literally turns to heat and dissipates the neural structures. you you, you quite literally become full of hot air. And I think that's what happens to people. That shiny thing, they chase it or they go down that road and then it's not sustainable. You miss a couple days and it goes away. So when you say, what is that shiny thing um, or that new thing? The new thing is kind of the old thing. And that sounds cheesy, but it, it, it's like a renaissance back to maybe grit and maybe consistency and, and, and trusting that this doesn't feel good. This doesn't give me that dopamine hit. This isn't the same thing as when I eat ice cream or look at social media or, or violence or drugs. This isn't the same. Oh, this way of walking and walking with the Lord will give you the things that sustain those high emotions because they're now permanent in your brain where you have joy and peace. You know, you're not using tomorrow's grace and energy for today. You have enough for today. So I hope that makes sense. I'm starting to get more into how I talk and practice, but it's, you know, it's, it's walking when you don't want to walk. As simple as that, everybody, you know, it's the first of the year, right? The shiny new things are new testing, new protocols, new workouts, new diet plans. I've already gotten emailed and texted to me some of the fanciest, prettiest, really cool research-based programs and diets and supplements. Even today at the gym, somebody walks up to me, "Hey, what do you think about the carnivore diet? Hey, what do you think about this herb and supplement?" And and there's so many shiny things, and they're great. But I always say, "But are you doing the basics? Are you walking every day?" Oh, you know that's just that's boring. That's a waste of time. I go, "Well, but that's how you get to where you want to go." simple things over time. yeah, And and everybody's trying all this complicating, shiny, exciting, emotional things that cost a lot. But the reality is I rarely see anybody get to where they want to go doing that, including myself. I've chased plenty of shiny things, but that slow walking, okay, 6,000 steps a day for a year. And then the next year, seven. And then this was, you know, in December, I said, I'm going to just walk. 10,000 steps a day for 30 days and see what happens. And I had more change in metabolism and fat burning in that month than I probably had almost the whole prior year of 2021.
0: That's amazing.
1: Because isn't it wild? I was on the, see, I was on the tipping point and I didn't know it. And I challenged myself and I felt like it was a, a deeper challenge, not just a mental, like I felt like I need to really show people how this works and trust that Okay, and I was very vulnerable. I was telling people, hey, look, I'm trying to lose some weight here and this and that. And the minute I hit 10,000, it was almost like I opened some new door. And Mm -hmm. I was already at 9,200 on average. 800 steps, you're going to tell me did something? did. And and that kind of comes back to that grit. I just did it even though it seemed trivial and I was doubting, even with my physiological knowledge of how the body works, I was doubting it was going to do anything. But it really did something.
0: This reminds me of a story That I share in my book, The Selling Formula, I um, knew a lady that I would see every year at a golf outing that we sponsored. And every year (laughs) she showed up with a new pair of clubs, new clothing, new shoes. And she laughed at me one day and she said, no matter what I do, I can't buy my game. That's awesome. <laughs> right? And that's what that's, awesome. thats what you're talking about. It's you've got to it put is. in you gotta put in the practice. I
1: totally get that. I bet a lot of people get that too. Yeah. You see it too. I love the honesty though in a person to actually say that.
0: She was wonderful. She knew what she was doing, but she loved buying her she loved buying new stuff. So that was kind of her oh, thing. That's, great. that's <laughs> well, pretty funny. Well, as we finish up here, Sean, I'm curious, is there a piece of advice that you tend to consistently give your clients?
1: Yes. So th- this happened even just yesterday. And I'll give an example. I had a husband and wife come in. It was funny. They've both been clients of mine almost from the start of my practice 20 years ago. And the husband, who was never the person coming in for the first 10 years, now he's the primary person who comes in and is taking care of himself and has changed everything. And the wife kind of hijacked his visit and came in with him. And it was pretty funny because all of a sudden she's coming in the room with him. And I go, oh, this is a family visit today. And uh, we start talking and she's just overwhelmed by it all. She's overwhelmed all the things she's hearing. Should I drink wine? Should I not? Should I uh, get, get, you know, get a shot or not? Uh, should I take this or not? Should I exercise like that? And I just thought to myself, she knows everything. We've been at this for 20 years and with great success. Mm. And I mean, this is a woman who almost struggled with you know, mental illness at some time in her family and has had extreme loss. And she's doing terrific. And I just stopped and went, we're all vulnerable to getting stressed and scared and confused. And I just looked at her and, and, and just really as a friend, Lynn, are you doing the basics? Oh, yeah, the basics. And the basics are different for everyone, but they don't differ that much, right? Like, Are you outside in nature appreciating how beautiful this world is and this life is? And hey, by the way, while you're appreciating that, make your left foot go and then your right foot go forward and then your left and then your right. And do that like three to 5,000 times, maybe 10,000 times. And you're going to start to feel better. And you know, it's almost like, you know, run, force, run. Where, where's he going? Well, it wasn't about where he was going. It was just about, he was running. <laughs> so I tell people do that. Hey, are you eating when you're hungry? Okay, yeah. Because some people overeat when they're hungry. Some people don't eat when they're hungry. I said, well, are you eating those five to 10 things we talked about really work well for your body. They keep your hormones healthy and healthy. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. And what we found out is she wasn't doing the basics anymore. She got off track. So in all honesty, and I use this sometimes, I didn't yesterday, but come back to the crossroads and just sit there and wait. Look for the better way, the eternal way, the ancient way, the way that's always been there. It's not new and shiny. No, it, it, it may be shiny when you get down there, but it's not going to be It's not going to contradict the basic way of being well. And so I just say, hey, are you doing the basic stuff that we agreed work for you? And I I think that's where relationship comes in and why you have to have people in community. Because if you don't know what is basic for you, you can't use somebody else's basic. It might not work. It might get you in trouble. So I have my basic things I do. You probably have your basic things. If I said, hey, Brian, what are the three things that you do to be well? They might be different than my top three. So you need some relationship and people to help you test that. I'm sure your wife and your children have been great and some business, you know, peers and pastors and and but yeah, are are you doing the basics? That simple. Are you doing the basics?
0: Right on. Well, as we finish up, could you please pray for our listeners, Sean?
1: Yeah. Dear Lord, I, I pray especially for those out there who have been striving and grinding and working so hard. Lord, to feel loved and to be free of fear. Lord, I know I know you. I know you listening right now. There's gonna, Whether it's one or a thousand of you, whether you're male or female, whether you're a child, an adolescent, a teenager, or an adult, or you're 80 years old out on your walk right now hearing this, I know that you connect to this, that striving, that, Lord, I have been a good soldier, and yet I have pain. I have mental pain, emotional pain, physical pain. I don't love who I see in the mirror when I look at it every morning. I don't love who you. I feel you've led me to be. Lord, I, I just ask that you break off any enemy influence on that life. You open up that heart and you let them know that fear cannot grab you and control you anymore. There is a better way. Lord, I just pray that we all collectively come back to the crossroads And we just wait and we rest and we take a breath and we look for the eternal way, Lord. And when we see your eternal way, your ancient path, Lord, we walk on it with you and we get that childlike freedom and peace where we're skipping and running and playing pain-free. Lord, I I thank you so much for reaching into the hearts of us type A, fearful, controlling, it's all got to be right, grinding kind of psychological people we are here on earth lord that you love us in spite of ourselves and i just thank you for that because that really moves the world forward in so many ways it just needs to be reconciled and corrected sometimes and brought back to kind of balance and peace so thank you Lord, for loving us and for guiding us through this crazy awesome journey of life
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Sean. How can people find out more about you and your practice?
1: drpatterson.com is my website. It's a very rudimentary website, drpatterson.com, no period, just drpatterson, P-A-T-T-E-R-S-O-N.com. And there's probably an opt-in and a phone number on there if My site's up and running, which it was last time I looked, and a lot of my stuff's been pulled off YouTube, so (laughs) you might find a few things there, but it's interesting times we're living in. (laughs) Yes, sir. But yeah, and and, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. It's funny how we find each other.
0: (laughs) Thanks again, Sean. Loved hearing your story.
1: My pleasure. I appreciate you having me. Hey,
0: everyone. Thanks for listening. Please make sure you subscribe to the show and share this with someone you believe would be encouraged and motivated by these stories. Until next time, I'm Brian Robinson reminding you that the greatest decision you could ever make is to ask Jesus Christ to become the Lord of your life. If you haven't done that, read Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11. Thanks again for listening.